The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of Roundabout Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Make sure to check out HoopBall on Twitter. HoopBall, I said it again, HoopBall on Twitter at tweets online, hoop-ball.com. NBA season is started already. My Lakers are not off to a great place, but we're hoping that they... Get back there. Um, you know, uh, they actually just put it. This will be coming up. You'll be listening to this on Monday, um, unless some breaking news happens, in which case you'll have noticed that this is why. Um, but the Lakers just got embarrassed from the Phoenix Suns, uh, losing by 10, but really, yeah, one point trailing by almost 30. Altercation on the bench between Y Howard and Anthony Davis. It was really bad um, in terms of like how they look right now. But there's hope. Um, again, season's new, but we are taking it back, and I am pumped to bring on. My guest, my friend, Josh Earl on the line. You can follow him on Twitter at 2RedJEarlURL. Uh, just great basketball guy, and I'm excited to talk 1998 draft with you. So first off, Josh, how you doing? Doing well, man. It's uh, I know that the, the Lakers start hasn't been great for you, but as somebody who grew up in Portland and, and hated that 2000s Western Conference Finals and therefore mm-hmm. has a little bad blood with the Lakers, I'm not hating it, to be honest. Not not to be mean, but, like, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of okay that they started out 0-2 so far. I, I have the feeling it's not going to last that way, though. Okay, okay. I, I, you know, I have to agree. I think that the way that it's been right now is still rough because we have started off kind of disjointed, uh, specifically the defense, which just doesn't appear to be there. The offense has been like a your turn, my turn thing. Russ finally got going, but then the defense threw a hole. But I'm with you. I'm glad that you at least uh, just having more basketball experience in this case, know that there is more to maybe figuring out what's going on here um, for the Lakers championship puzzle, possibly. Yep. They got so, plenty of time. <laughs> dude, I'm really hoping so, man. I'm just... It's rough. It's it's it, as a as a person who's a, a stand of a team. It's rough because every win means yeah. everything, and every loss is the end of the world. And like as a general NBA guy, this is this is fine. I I'm like loving how the Bulls have looked so far. You know yeah. what's going to happen with the, with the Dallas Mavericks and, and Jason Kidd, their coaching. You know the Phoenix Suns are gelling together. The Sacramento Kings, how they've been looking, actually competent. Like there are a lot more storylines and games to watch and and be interested in. But just from a fan of one specific team, yeah, it's been like dang, but still, still a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. But um, uh, going into from this to the um. NBA draft and specifically the 1998 NBA draft. We, we were going to do an, another 10-man challenge, 10-man rotation challenge. We've done these before on several of our shows. Me and a friend, Josh has been on a couple of times. I've had a couple others on as well. Look back on the draft, talk about it for a second, and then put together our 10-man our, our lineups 
from that class. And it's interesting to see kind of how to gauge the depth of that class, who people are going for first, you know, different persons, uh, uh, team construction style. There's a lot more to it that makes it more fun. Um, but just on like the surface level, looking at the draft as a whole, you know, now some, what, 23 years later, um, what Ugh. do you, yeah, I know it's a while. <laughs> like, like what is, what do you think about that draft and just where it stands in NBA history? Yeah, well, this was like the first draft I distinctly remember watching live. Um, and like th- this draft class, you got multiple Hall of Famers, Dirk, Truth, Vince, um, and also like a, a lot of pretty solid depth. Um, multiple All-Stars beyond those three. Um, I think there were something like 36 players from this draft class played at least five seasons in the NBA, which indicates that they at least had a second contract. Wow. Uh, That's something. Yeah, and then 25 of those players actually played a full decade in the wow. league. So, like, that that's a good indicator of depth, I think. That is. That is. I definitely like the fact that you got a lot of guys who come in there and are standbys, you know, where they're solid role players, stars, superstars. They come in, they make an impact, and they do it for a relatively uh, decent period of time. So there was something to be said for that for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pumped to get into this. Uh. As the guest, you know, you get the first pick, but there's a lot of guys in here in terms of depth and accolades. And I mean, talking about some guys who played two decades in the NBA, we have a couple who've done that as well. Um, a couple of pieces that were just bomb. Uh, I see your championship contributors, you know, I'd say almost like nine, 10, 11 down. So it should be really fun yep. to see how we put these teams together. But without further ado, let's get to it, Josh. Who are you taking with the first pick in the 1998 NBA draft? Is it uh, Michael Lola Candy? No, I won't hate it. Michael Olo Candy, although I give massive uh, props to somebody who's confident enough to just open up a recruiting book, point at a school, call the cold call them and say, like, hey, I'm seven feet tall. Can I play for your school? Yeah. The, uh, and then the confidence get drafted. Number yeah, one. I love that. Uh, so kudos, man. Like, uh, not Shoot my your guy, shot. but kudos. Yeah, yeah. Gotta love it. All right, well, let's get your guy then, Josh. All right, so with the first pick of this redraft, I'm going with the man that inspired basketball in Canada. Uh, The man who has a ton of different delightful nicknames. Half man, half amazing. Uh, Vinsanity, I am going with probably the greatest dunker we've ever seen. Uh... And on top of it, a really, really good player uh, as well, uh, Vince Carter. Um, Alan. Yeah, like, it, it, there's a lot to say about Vince. Uh, eight-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, was Rookie of the Year for, for this draft class. Uh, over his first 11 seasons, uh, he averaged over 23 points per game over five and a half rebounds per game and over four assists per game on pretty good shooting, including a 37.6% from three on four attempts a game. Um, there was, of course, the, the, the stuff at the end with Toronto, which wasn't great. Um, but uh, I will say uh, one of the other things that's been amazing about Vince, played 22 seasons in the NBA. Uh, and one of the, like, stars, like, 
blindingly bright stars who totally accepted and uh, really embraced becoming a role player, becoming a veteran leader uh, on teams later in his career. So uh, I had to go with Vinsanity. It's a very solid pick. I I, I like that one. The jolt of um, just pizzazz that he brought to the game, just style, substance, you know, the fact that he wasn't able to not even carve out, but really just kind of lay out a 22-year career, especially for a perimeter player that long, that that is madness, and still keep a decent amount of his athleticism that deep into his career. That That's definitely something that just like, wow, you know, um, it, it was something to be said for that type of, longevity uh, especially being a guy who adapted his game from being a star to a very good serviceable um wing player like a second banana on a championship team possibly like you could say that he was with uh, Orlando um then you know going to Phoenix he was still kind of in that phase as far as like a second banana but it turned out that he wasn't he was morphing into his 3 and D role player which he did pretty well for the rest of his career then he went to veteran leader for the last two seasons but you have this like you know subtle kind of change in, in trajectory in terms of roles and the way he was able to acclimate to that pretty easily and seamlessly uh th- there's a lot to be said for that um forget you know culturally what he stood for you know like you said canada the dunk contest um it's so all of that stuff like there is a lot there but at the end of the day you know vince carter one of the iconic guys um in the nba uh definitely someone who made an impact for sure on this league and i mean listen you're set literally for the next two decades with this guy so for number one for me whew, this is tough I'm looking very hard at Rashard Lewis. I'm just kidding. Um, which I don't know that, do you? No, I'm playing. I thought about this, but I'm ultimately going to take... Uh, actually, I'm a lot harder than I thought. Darn it. I know Josh is giving me the eye. Like, what are going to do? What are going to do? I am going to go with Paul Pierce. Uh, mm, yeah, I'm going to go with Paul mm. You know, both the clients were awful. I'm debating between Paul Pierce and Dirk Nowitzki. Who was better at their peak? Um, I'm going to go with Paul Pierce, ultimately. I think that Dirk definitely had uh, just crazy good years. Um, uh, the MVP season is one that I just can't wrap my head around because in that year, uh, 2007, I was like, eh, you know, a little, little overrated there. But no, actually, nope, change my mind. I'm going to go with Dirk Nowitzki. Sorry, I'm going to do that. I, I, I just have to. Um, I wasn't a fan of his. I thought he should have won an MVP. Uh, I just don't know if 2007 was the year that that should have happened. At the same time, you know, just multi-time All-Star, um, spending his entire career with one team. There's something to be said for that. Although, you know, for some of it, Boston and and Paul Pierce's split was just, it just happened the way it did. It wasn't anything um, to Paul Pierce. But you have someone who is literally the all-time leading scorer of this draft class at 20 points per game, averaged 20.7 rebounds and two assists with a career 38% three-point shooter. Uh, the accolades just go on and on. You have a guy who's a 14-time All-Star, 12-time All-NBA, uh, Finals MVP, regular season MVP, of course. Uh, the dude was one of the leaders in Dallas Ma- in Dallas Mavericks history uh, across the board. Um, two seasons where he was in the top 23-point percentage of this for a big. Uh, so much done. He sits sixth in NBA career points, which is insane. Six in the NBA in defensive, uh, six uh, for his career in defensive rebounds. Um, he's eighth. Like it was a lot there that he did. Um, and yeah, a hundred percent Hall of Famer. That's my guy, and it's tough because second place was always the hardest. I think there was like, well, I mean, I think you had a tight one between one and two, but this one is different because 
you're going to lose number three. Whoever was the number two is number three. That person's gone. Number one, you have three guys you really make a case for, I think. Number two, you had less than that, but still, both those guys were like neck and neck, if you ask me. But ultimately, championships mean something to me. Dirk won it and was the main guy when he did, so I'm going to go with that. Very, very good uh, selection. Um, with my second pick, I'm actually going to do you a massive favor. Um I am going to actually go with Richard Lewis. That it? Wow. Now, why? I'm feeling generous, my friend. I'm feeling generous. I appreciate that, sir. But Richard Lewis is your number four. Okay, please expound for me there, sir. Yes. So I am trying to build a particular type of team. And uh, the truth is the truth for a reason. Hall of Famer. Named to one of the uh, top 75 players uh, in the NBA history so far, just recently. Um, excellent choice. Just doesn't quite mesh with what I'm trying to do in this particular exercise. Mm-hmm. And again, since your Lakers are, are causing you strife, I want to give you this gift of you getting Dirk and Truth for your team. Um, on top of it like let's not act like Richard Lewis wouldn't immediately be your next pick if I took Pierce I I can't lie you you know you know you know it would you know he would be yeah so Richard uh also an NBA champion with the 2013 heat um two-time all-star a 610 uh like forward who could play the three or the four um, fantastic shooter, uh, ended his, uh, career, uh, averaging 38.6 from three. Um, he was a big key component to those, uh, Dwight Howard era, uh, magic teams that were really competitive, went to a finals, um, went to, I think a couple of conference finals at least. Um, and just, an amazing shooter who can play the three, the four. You could possibly nowadays even play. I mean, with the Heat, I know he played some five. You could probably even put Richard in like the two in some lineups if you're really going squirrely. Um, and that versatility um, and the the kind of role that I'd need him to play on my team is what made me decide to go with him over the guy I'm guessing will be your next pick. I, I like the fact that you are going with it from that construction type of, of mode. Okay. This may not be the best fit like overall, like this may not be the best pick overall, but this is the best fit like pick available right now for me. And I think that is solid. Um, Richard Lewis is someone who, I mean, just a solid player all around, you know, um, expect to be a first round pick. He had slipped to the second round of draft day. Uh, he had a breakout year in 2005. He averaged 20 points per game on what 40, just under 46 percent shooting. Uh, was named to the first of two All Star teams. Uh, unfortunately, he wasn't mostly remembered for that one huge contract he got from Orlando. That six years, 118 million dollars was a lot. But at the same time, you know, he was a key member on that final team. Eventually, that ended up losing to the Lakers in 2009. So, you know, you could say that it sort of kind of paid off, and that he was still a, a guy who even down even into his latter years i think he retired in 2014 with the heat but in 2013 he was a member of their championship team you know still come off the bench and knocking down key shots love that jumper of his you know kind of like sling sling shot but it was silky smooth 
he's a solid selection, uh, especially for someone who's dropped the 32nd by Seattle back then. Really crazy. But I am going to go with Paul Pierce for my next pick. Um, you said it. I, I think I'm going to eventually kind of form the kind of identity for this team. We're still in that construction mode right now. But right now I see someone who is a Hall of Famer, 10-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA, you know, but like you said one of the best nicknames of all time. Uh, someone who averaged 19 points, five rebounds, and just under four assists for his career uh, was what second in this class? I want to say in scoring. Yes, he was. To Dirk Nowitzki, um, a career 36% three-point shooter, clutch shots. You know, one of the greatest lines ever. I call game. You know, um, yeah. And, and listen, I'm gonna call game for my team too. So I'm going to take Paul Pierce second, um, or with my with the fifth pick now um, for Montes Inferno which is my team name. Uh, nice, nice. Yeah, with, after my next pick, I'm going to unveil my team name and you'll see what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, Paul Pierce, again, like we said, Hall of Famer, uh, just elected to the, the top 75 players in NBA history, uh, championship uh, winner, uh, finals MVP, long storied career with the Celtics, and, and less storied with the Clippers at the end. Uh, and, and the <laughs> Who remembers those days? <laughs> uh, but, but you know, like, fantastic player, and your team's off to an amazing start with uh, Dirk and, and Pierce. Um, so again, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for the gift there. Thank you. You're, you're welcome, sir. Um, so with my third pick, which I believe is the, the fifth pick, um, I am going with white chocolate himself wow Jason Williams and now you can maybe see what I'm going for with my team construction yeah um my my team name for this 1998 uh redraft is Cirque du Babal <laughs> Cirque du Babal <laughs> yeah Cirque du B-ball but you know I, I, I thought du- Babal might I like it funnier. and it yeah, does yeah. it fits yeah, with yeah. the do, do kind of uh, what's it called the the type of uh i can't remember the word i'm not even trying to say word. That, that's the word i was looking for yes thank yes. you i was only thinking and that say qual literally means like uh like I, i'm not sure oh there you go it just sounds <laughs> yeah. so great it does it does uh it rolls off the the tongue just like the the ball rolls off jason williams hands yep. with every pass that he i makes. love it wow um, great great transition one of my uh things that I always kind of bounce between uh, when contemplating like bigger elements of basketball is, is what's your ultimate goal. And obviously everyone kind of defaults to win games, win a championship. Right. But there's a lot of elements of that, that you can't really control. Uh, 29 teams lose every year. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things you can control. And when you really think about it, the type of business in MB- the NBA is, it's an entertainment business. And the, the, I think the one thing you can control, um, at least to a higher degree, other than, you know, making it certain that you will win the championship, is making it that you have a fun, enjoyable season for everyone involved. Yeah, and that's true. The fans of Cirque du Bebeau, uh are going to enjoy one of the greatest pairings and highlights history of Jason Williams and Vince Carter 
in the fast breaks. Uh, it, it's going to be, you know, just uh, chef kiss, like, like beautiful, exactly. beautiful highlights galore um, with Richard uh, space. Great shooting too. Yep. Yeah. So you can see where I'm going with this. And that's why I, I wanted, if I was building for, you know, best possible chance at winning a championship i would have taken dirk or or uh pierce um but i but i wanted to try this approach well get the most fun team out there draft yeah exactly. there you go well i'm going to go i'm trying to do the same but slightly i guess i mean in terms of having fun your team looks way more fun like if i was playing 2k and i had a choice with my team with your team i'll definitely roll with your team but i am going to try to to get more of a, a not a winning approach but definitely try to go more for a guy i'm looking at to um you know, kind of bring a team. Okay, out of the two, actually, it's funny that Jason Williams won the championship out of the point guard that I'm about to draft. But he followed Jason Williams and brought that team to greater heights on the Sacramento Kings back in the 2000s. His name is Mike Bibby, and I am going to roll with him for my pick overall. Uh, it's funny. Mike Bibby, people forget, played 14 years in the NBA, 14 points, five assists per game, was a career uh 37% three-point shooter, but people forget that he was taken second in this draft. Yep. Michael Owen Candy was taken first. Mike Bibby taken second. I'm going to mention this name because I don't think we'll say it again for a while, but Rafe LaFrance was taken third. Yeah. The uh, the other funny thing is I believe that Mike's Bibby's dad, Henry Bibby, was actually yep. working for the Clippers at the time of that draft. That's hilarious. Um, which, is, which is kind of really an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know yeah. the Clippers, they're, they're gonna clip. Um, yeah, and his, his dad played uh, in the seventies and I think into the eighties with, well, into the early eighties with the New York Knicks and the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Yep. So there it is to that. Shots some little history there. But yeah, I'm gonna take my Bibby. Steady your hand. You know, we're gonna. I don't want to say gonna play. We're not playing up and down with Dirk Nowitzki, but we definitely have different weapons. I think we'll be a good half court offense. We do have a guy like I said, Mike Bibby, could definitely kind of penetrate, shoot the three. Works well with the freewheeling type of style, but also we saw in Atlanta be more methodical. Uh, Paul Pierce doing what he does on the wing, also being a secondary playmaker. Dirk Nowitzki finishing literally from around the basket to deep, deep, deep. So we have like the makings here of a pretty electric offense ourselves. But going back to Sir Duke B-Ball for the seventh pick. Yes. With the seventh pick, it's funny that uh, you, you already said his name and you said we wouldn't say it anymore. Wow. I am literally wearing a Rafe LaFrance jersey. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, wow. Look at the odds. I had no clue. Yeah. No, uh, dude, I used to have a YouTube channel with my good friend Will Garcia like six years ago. Mm-hmm. And I actually did a video on how Rafe LaFrance was a player before his time. You need to send me that video. I, I will. All right. Um, <laughs> so Rafe LaFrance was basically the first, like, three-point shooting, rim-protecting uh, big uh, that we really saw on, on a high level. Um, for uh, his career, uh, there, uh, in terms of uh, players that fit the same mold so far uh, – over the career spans, there are only three players who have had a three-point attempt rate uh, higher than uh, 20%, um, uh, shot over 36% from three, uh, played at least 16 minutes per game, and had a block rate over four. 
Rafe LaFrance, Chris Stapps Porzingis, and Jaron Jackson Jr. That's Whoa. it. Whoa. Exactly. That's a list. That yep. And, and and Rafe did this like two decades before that kind of player is now super in vogue. Uh like coming into uh any draft class, this past draft class, if you had somebody that you, you knew okay, he's going to be a, a high-level uh, rim protector for us, and he's going to space the floor for us at the same time while being competent uh, on everything else, good rebounder, efficient scorer in general. Um, that, that player's probably going pretty high, right? Mm-hmm. The problem with Rafe, yeah. and I explained it in, in that video, which I'll share with you later. Please, thank um, you. <laughs> is... He was taken third overall ahead of those three Hall of Famers that we've already selected and talked about. Gotcha. Um, and he had a lot of injuries over his career. The Mavs gave him a seven-year, $70 million contract. Um, and wasn't he was like a fourth or fifth option on offense. So for most people, it seemed like he was vastly overpaid. Um, but I'm telling you, you, you – Lop him in the the NBA right now, and that's a really really valuable big. Yeah, that that that's somebody that comes in knows how to play, um, in this modern NBA and make a substantial impact. You brought up just some of those numbers. That is wild. That is wild. Um, I'm going to bring up another guy who I did not realize. Shout out to Dan Favalli, um, Bleacher Report, but he's 46 on the NBA all time scoring list. I did not realize he was a top 50 scorer in NBA history. Who is he? Well, you know, he's a one-time Laker, two-time All-Star, one-time six-man of the year. Uh, just Laker part gets you in there for me. But um, in addition to that, uh, career 34% three-point shooter over a 16-year career. His name is Antoine Jameson. Anton Jameson. I am taking him with the eighth pick. Um, literally played, scored a high level, played a high level for 13 straight years. He had five full 82-game seasons in 10 years. Had another one where he missed no more than no fewer than three games. That's wild. Uh, you knew from him cooking with the Warriors, him cooking with the Wizards, even with the Cavs in a misplaced second player role when those Cavs management teams really couldn't figure out a, a good way of fitting around um, LeBron. But he's someone who averaged 20 points per game, shot 47% from inside the arc, and then 34% from downtown. And he was able to, you know, hit jumpers from people. He's able to jab step, get his own shot, post moves, all sorts of, of offensive. Um, weapons at his disposal defensively not a whole lot there he wasn't great there he wasn't a great uh secondary playmaker but that's fine right now because i have mike bibby i have paul pierce to do that for you for myself all i really want for monte's inferno is just have someone who can again just make me an inferno on the on the baskets and that's what's going to do with the nets by putting the ball in the hoop so i'm i'm, I'm happy i have someone who did it for a long time at that type of level that that's that's pretty solid for me yeah Excellent pick. Uh, also, he, he had like one of the more interesting idiosyncratic uh, bags, if you will, like mm-hmm. for a player his size, he, he would kind of like the types of shots he would attempt in the manner in which he would attempt them and stuff. Like you would never teach a kid how to <laughs> like do those things, oh, no. but it worked for him and it worked for him very well. Uh, as noted by all those accomplishments that you, that you mentioned. Uh, excellent. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. I think I see I'm not, might not have as fire an offense as you, but right now I I, 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 pre, I like the offense we're working. Your, with. your offense is going to be 
stellar, dude. Like, it might not be as fun as mine, there you but go. your offense is going to be very, very elite in the playoffs. Oh, I'm excited to see how we come together here. It should be a lot of fun, yep. though. But, but yeah, we're going back to you for your pick, sir, so let's have at it. Yep. So, rounding out my uh, starting five, uh, I'm going to go with an undrafted rookie uh from this year Uh two-time all-star uh played with mike bibby in sacramento brad miller yep great call i knew it i knew yep yep uh just a really all-around excellent big um strong rebounder one of the better big passers uh People don't really talk about him much as a big passer. Uh, and obviously, he's no Jokic or, or Walton, etc. cetera. But um, definitely a really high-level passer that worked really well, particularly in that Adelman offense uh, with the Sacramento Kings. Um, all around good guy. And, and between him and uh, Rafe LaFrance, I've got two bigs who uh, – at the very least need to be um, considered by the defense from deep mid range from three. Um, and on top of it, both very willing passers, rebounders, screen setters, um, and, and guys who can finish and hit shots. Yeah. Brad Miller had a long career. Uh, like you said, with the Kings, people forget, I mean, not the, not the King, the Kings, people forget the Hornets. Um, the Bulls as well, but yeah, someone who ran the floor well had great passing. Um, fucking more offensive minded. I don't want to say this in, in the sense he was nowhere near the defender, but like an offensive minded, like Joe Kim Noah type guy, it feels like in the sense of like a little bit of everything, you know. Well said, yeah, like the the offensive flip side of Noah. Thank yeah. you. I, see, I'm, I thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. And I mean, and a uh-huh. solid defender, I wouldn't say he was above average or a good defender per se. But again, like one of those guys who's not really going to hurt you too much. Unless yeah. you're playing Shaq, in which case. In which case, look out. Yeah. But that's still <laughs> a very solid pick. I'm a big fan of that one for sure. Um, and now the onus is on me to make a solid selection. Hmm. 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 I think we are going to go with. I'm trying to look. I'm trying to round up my starting five here. You already have a solid starting five, but give it a chance to you to recap yours. But I need a shooting guard. And, have you uh, looked at Larry Hughes yet? Oh, I, I you know what? I did. And like the, you were saying, like, you don't really have the two. But, okay, so here's what's funny. So I was looking at Larry Hughes, right? And then I done, like, a little mock redraft. And I also looked like Bleacher Report's mock redrafts and others to prepare myself for this. And a lot of them were taking a guy in place of where Larry Hughes was picked. That is a very solid pick. We'll talk about him when he's drafted, but Casino Mobley. But what I'm going to end up doing is rolling with Larry Hughes. Um, I, he could score, he could defend, average 15 points or more five different times. He had as many career 40-point games as Dwight Howard. Um, on the other hand, though, like he was someone who needed the ball in his hands to be really effective. Um, and I, I saw this both in – I played some old-school 2K. Um, basketball genius, my game. Every time I have him in the draft, I select Larry Hughes. And mixed results with that because he needs the ball. So when I pair him with another guard or, like, for example, to pair with Allen Iverson, he couldn't – he was too ball-dominant to be that guy. 
But then he wasn't great enough by himself to be like, okay, we're going to play through Larry Hughes. He wasn't even a, a perfect second option. We saw that with him alongside LeBron with like mid 2000s Cavs teams. But at the same time, you know, he needed to make his own shot, like to be able to set his own shot, which he could do. But like his shot selection wasn't always that great. So it was weird. Um, at the same time, you know, he had a lot of injuries, which were a problem when he was healthy. Uh, this is 2005 season, 22 points per game, four assists, just under three steals, 46% shooting. I can roll with those numbers. And he played for a bit. Um, well, a solid career carved out for him in terms of 13 seasons. Can't really complain about that. Um, career 38, I mean, uh, career 30% three-point shoot, which is not great. And that's what made me give cause for pause. But I'm going to go favor the longevity in this and the fact that, like we said when we first started, I liked him as well as one other guy that I think will slip to me a little bit later. I just couldn't defend grabbing him now. But I'm going to take Larry Hughes to play the two. If nothing else, he can do... Uh, he could share in Mike Bibby in a backcourt where he can play either the off guard or the point guard, which he did earn his career for the 76ers and later the Golden State Warriors. And actually, it, it could work particularly well with Bibby, who also functioned particularly well for a point guard off ball. Yes, yes, that's great utility there. And that's why I think he's a good pick for that. But that, thank you for bringing him to mind. That's what I was debating. We'll talk about Mobley a little bit later, but I definitely yeah. like him. Okay. But, All right, so uh, let's get, I, I, uh, I like your team. So, you like it? I, I'm a yeah. fan of yours as well, sir. This is a yep, equal. It, it's it's all love here. All yes, love. always. But um, I'm gonna have you recap your five real quick. I'll uh, recap yep. mine as well. Um, before we send it back to you to start the next five minute rotation here, five minute backup. Sweet. So starting for Souk de Bobo, uh, <laughs> we have white chocolate at the point, uh, Ben Sanity at the two, uh, Richard Lewis at the three. Brad Miller and Rafe LaFrance kind of interchangeable at the four and the five. A uh, lot of passing, um, a lot of shooting, um, and a lot of players that I think will really thrive in a high-pace uh, offense that's not only designed to, you know, get good looks, but also should be super freaking fun. Definitely, definitely agree with those sentiments. I think this team will have an electric offense up and down the floor where they're bombing away from three, getting all the way to the cup with two big men who know their roles, can definitely finish, aren't going to ask for more than they can bite off, and they'll be fine that way. Uh, for my team, Monte's Inferno. Inspired, if you didn't notice, after Monte Ellis and the play on words, Dante's Inferno for you literary buffs. I have Mike Bibby and Larry Hughes in my backcourt with Paul Pierce playing the three, Antoine Jameson playing the four, and Dirk Nowitzki playing the five. We have shooting at all five positions, with the weakest being, of course, our shooting guard, Larry Hughes. But the ways to be able to play with Mike Bibby will generate good looks for him that even he'll be able to knock down. Defensively, eh, not super high. Paul Pierce at his peak was pretty decent. Um, Larry Hughes would be okay. And Bibby fit in a serviceable team defense. But Jameson and Nowitzki, eh. Rough, although Dirk had his moments. Uh, with that, though, offensively, we can score at all five levels. We have three guys who can initiate the offense for themselves and for others. Two all-time great play finishers in Jamison and Davitsky, and I'm really happy with the way we're going to roll and play on the floor. So Montez Inferno, those are my, start are my starting five, and we're going to throw it back to Josh to start picking for the bench units. Awesome, man. Uh, for my sixth man... I'm going to go with Al Harrington. Uh, oh, Harrington. 6'9", like uh, 230 pounds, 
played small forward, power forward, played some center for the We Believe Warriors. Yep, did a good job um, there. You know, at, for his career, averaged a thirty-five point two percent from three. Uh, had a really long uh, NBA career. Very versatile guy who could score in a variety of ways. Could rebound. Um, wasn't a supremely uh, high level passer, but a willing passer who had a couple of pretty good seasons, uh, particularly in Atlanta when he was traded for Stephen Jackson and got to be a more like primary option for the Hawks uh, than he was with the Pacers. Um, but again, he's kind of like my bench version of Rashard Lewis in the sense that I can kind of place him wherever I need within that bench lineup to make things work as well as they can. Okay. Someone that just can operate in a variety of capacities for your team. And you know, it's going to get a guy who gets buckets and plays really well. Small ball five, another guy you picked in addition to Ray for friends who I think will fit just hand in glove in this NBA. Definitely with you for that. All right. So for my for my squad, I am going to roll with the guy I was debating picking over Larry Hughes in my last pick to round in my starting five. That is Casino Mobley. Played in the NBA for 10 seasons. Um, unfortunately, people forget he was forced to retire after a physical to go from the Clippers to the, the Knicks revealed he had a hyperthropic uh, cardiomyopathy, which is a heart disease that makes it difficult to pump blood. I did not remember that. Again, shout out to Dan Favali because I was looking up why did his career kind of like fizzle out. He seemed pretty solid, um, but he's someone who had a really good post game. That's the one thing I remember um, at six, four. Uh, I remember him specifically playing with the Clippers, you know, being, uh, being a big part of their unit that, that did go to the semifinals um, back in 2006. Like uh, he knocked down catch and shoot shots, uh, knocked down threes, had 21 points per game with the Rockets um, in 2002, which, you know, definitely stands out, even though his team was pretty rough, uh, but he knocked just under 47 three pointers in and offensively the guy could get buckets. That's just what it was. And so that's um, a guy we were looking at. If you're a big three, if you're a fan of the big three, which I am, he's still scoring on the big three. That three on three half court game, the dude has, is, comes in well-dressed, dressed to the nines. I tell you, look up, get to Mobley, big three fit. You'll see some outfits. I'm like, you go, wow. But in addition to that, gray hair and everything, the dude is a baller. That's what he likes. He can still get the post-up game. If anything, that's more fitting now for him um, in his older age. Uh, and he's still a great shooter. And that's just maybe not even a glimpse, not even a facsimile of what he could do in his prime. I think he's someone that can come off our bench and be a great six-man for us. Just gain the ball in the basket. That's all I'm looking for. That's Monte's Inferno's just game plan through and through. So really happy to have him there. He'll be a great six-man. And my guy is still out there that I'm waiting on. He, he also uh, could play combo guard for you, could come in for Bibby, for Hughes. Uh, on top yep. of it, he really is one of those guys that really makes that silver sheen look so awesome. Does. Like, I, like I, I, I'm, I know I'm not going to have, like, hair that magnificent. And, like, even his beard, like, it's, it's, it's stellar. Shout One can only dream. Gino Mobley for for the silver sheen that 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 uh, just glows off of him. I, I'm envious um, as well. Yeah. Um, for uh, I guess my seventh man, I'm going with uh, Michael Dickerson. Ooh. Okay. Yes. Six five, 190 pound shooting guard. Uh, 
had a frame only on had him. a five year career due to some injuries that led him to having to retire uh, prematurely. Um, his biggest claim to fame because he he spent uh, most of his career with the Vancouver Grizzlies, and then uh, last couple of seasons when uh, they they had moved to Memphis, he he was injured most of those times. Uh, but he's his claim to fame is he was kind of the centerpiece uh, that uh, Houston sent out to Vancouver for your guy, Steve Franchise. Franchise. <laughs> yeah, Francis. Um, but, but we're talking about a guy who averaged uh, 40.2% from three on pretty solid three-point attempt numbers. Uh, especially for that era, over three and a half uh, a game, basically. Um, on top of it, very competent score. Uh, otherwise, another guy who works really well in a fast break situation with, with the, the type of team that I'm building. Um, solid defender, not a great defender, but um, he's he's one of the better, I think, wings in his class. He just often gets overlooked because, unfortunately, his career was uh, hindered by injuries. That is unfortunate. I definitely do remember watching a little bit of him um, with the Grizzlies, specifically alongside Mike Bibby. Um, and solid shot, big frame, able to make use of that as a bigger guard. Uh, definitely like how he's fitting with your squad for sure. Right. So I'm going to take um, a guy that I've enjoyed, you know, uh, 12-year career. Uh, really underrated guy. His intensity, the way he was able to, you know, play above the rim. Uh, triple double king. Before that was even a thing. Shout out to Russell Westbrook. Um, I am rolling with the one and only Ricky Davis. <laughs> uh, triple double king. I love it. <laughs> for all you listening, this is something like before we started recording. I, I was like, I can't wait for when you take Ricky Davis. I know you're taking him. I'm just wondering at which point in the draft you're taking him. Oh, yes. It it, it simply had to happen. Uh, this guy is someone who, you know, does definitely gets um, marginalized because a lot of his scoring was done on pretty bad teams. Uh, you know, he's a shot chucker. He played on bad teams. That kind of fits the M.O. of said type of player. So I think it was a knock on his career for, for a good part of the time. But um, between 2003 and 2007, uh, he averaged 17 points per game and four assists on 35% from three. Again, I say shout out to Dan Vavali, but these numbers are like, I was looking up just his raw stats. I'm like, they aren't that bad. Look at the teams he was on. Hmm, they are kind of bad. But, you know, when in terms of his play, I think he would have really fit in as like a high usage bench score. You know, a la, I don't know, Jordan Clarkson on the Jazz. Something to come in, was able to do just enough playmaking to be reasonable from that spot, but definitely fill it in from the basket and play well there. Um, and he does some knee injuries that kind of forced the end of his career. Yes, it was early 30s, but still that was that he could play a little more. Um, but with that being said, he's a fun guy. There's a fun team. And I, there was no way I was letting Ricky Davis slide. Like you said, Josh, that, that, there was no way that was happening. We talked about this well before, as you mentioned. And um, it was just a matter of when I could take him without looking like I had a clear agenda. And I realized that that couldn't be as early as fourth. So, yeah, it, it, this was like the one guaranteed lock. In the Guarantee. Okay. Guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Back to you, sir, though. We are getting close to the end here, and we have uh, – it's still very de- – I like how we have – this is a really fun unit. Yep. Uh, so with my next selection, I'm going to take 
the only other guy in this draft class that could uh, possibly uh, fit into the white chocolate Jason Williams role uh, in the type of team that I'm, I'm building, the, the kind of basketball circus extravaganza team. I'm taking Skip to my Lou himself, Rafer Alston. Very good pick. Wow, you have you learn. I mean, your last team was solid, but this team is just straight up fun. Yeah, like I like last time I had a very specific goal I was building towards. This time I have a very specific but different goal that I'm building towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, if uh, Jason Williams not on the court, you're still gonna have a whole lot of fun with Skip to my Lou <laughs> bringing the ball up. Uh, you know, everyone kind of thinks about Rafer Alston from the uh, street ball side of things, but he had an 11 year career in the NBA. He's probably the most successful kind of street ball legend who ever kind of actually played pro basketball at a high level Um, was part of that Houston Rockets team that went on the massive uh, winning streak also uh, was a starter on that Orlando Magic uh, 2009 uh, finals team, um, primarily because Jameer Nelson was injured. But, hey, we'll take it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Rafer is going to help my team continue to be a super fun, exciting uh, event for all the fans. He is someone who actually helped on a championship team. Well, championship level team. They did lose same 2009 magic. We referenced before with the Shard Lewis, but yeah, another fun guy who, you know, his, his legend is complete with all the and one stuff, but definitely carved out a nice career for himself in the NBA as well. Um, with my pick, I am go, I was going to go with someone I really just was a fan of, but I'm going to wait. Cause I think he might be available. Oh, with my next pick. I'm going to take with this pick. Another fun guy, Monzi Wells. Bonzi Wells, um, I just love the confidence. Another guy who reminds me of me in high school, you know, in terms of being bigger for their size, um, but having like, not being bigger for their size, being average for their size, but having a really good post game. Um, and he was 6'5", but his post game was legit. Uh, someone who ran the floor really well. Uh, had just complete confidence. I love players that have complete confidence. He would launch threes, even though he wasn't necessarily really a three-point shooter. Um, and and that, was, that was just fun to see. I mean, Bonzi Wells, 10 seasons in the NBA, career 32% three-point shooter. It didn't matter, you know, because he didn't care. He chucked up 683 of them, made 223. So there's the numbers there. But he also went off for random 45-point explosions like he did against the Dallas Mavericks back in 2003. So it was it's just it was it's been a fun experience watching Bonzi Wells. My one uh I guess worries, I wish he could have played more in that 2000 or 99 kind of season for the Trailblazers. By the time he really started coming on and starting games and becoming that full-fledged guy, the, the Blazers were more of the Joe Blazer type than they were anything else. Um, but, like, he was someone who was a big cog for those teams, good, bad, or otherwise. So I'm taking Monzi Wells, and I'm happy with that selection uh, as I have two more picks left to close this bad boy out. All right, with my uh, second to last pick, I'm going to go with the 6'9", 238-pound Pat Gibbs. No! No, that's the guy! No! <laughs> yes, yes. Ah! I, I was thinking of maybe, like, taking my, my other 
next pick because uh, I was like, mm, who might Corbin be uh, the uh, wow, more likely to snipe me on? I'm, um, I'm and I, I thought, you know, since you have Dirk, he might want another kind of spacing big and, and that sort of thing. Yes. Uh, so Pat Garrity, 10-year NBA career, uh, averaged 39.8 from three. Uh, on pretty again, pretty solid three point attempt rate for especially for the the years that he played. Uh, you know, he, his career ended in 07 08, which was kind of before all the bigs were were kind of expected to shoot from three and that sort of thing. Um, on top of it, really, really, uh, niche uh connection to myself uh he actually graduated from the same high school my wife graduated from wow um yeah so i'm going with pat garrity there it is i'm ticked i'm like listening to you with one ear and trying to rapidly redraft because i was so sure he was there for me that i listed him already on my sheet like one of the great three-point shooting big men the knee injury stuff in the middle of his career really messed him up but he was someone who i loved him oh my gosh and like old school 2k i would always swipe him um because 2k i think was a little like he retired but they still had him like on undrafted roster or something you could still know this nba live i'm thinking nba live um and i man he was such a good shooter for my teams always i would just NBA last story here i would i have this thing with my franchises where i always take a team i'll play one year as them like as currently constructed and then offseason, I'll start just tearing apart the roster. So I take the Warriors because less moves for me to make. Back in 2007, they already had Troy Murphy, I think. He wasn't traded just yet. You had um, Baron Davis. You had Jason Richardson. You had Mikel Petras. You had these guys. So I would sim a year, grab Pat Garrity, grab Derek Fisher again, grab Troy Hudson, all offense. Al Harrington, all offense. Forget the defense. We were bombing threes. And like, if I simmed the game, it probably wouldn't work out well for me. But if I played it, oh my gosh, the floor stretching game with Garrity, he get like 15 points a game. And that's because I do a high pick and roll and give him a three point shot all the time. And oh, just the joy. So I'm mad. Um, that's my Pat Garrity ended up. But I that's who I wanted. Um, I guess I am going to go with. <sighs> it's tough. He was. Okay, defensively. Defensive mind, he was fine. Offensive was a little more all over the place than someone I would like for my roster. Uh, career average is 33% from three. I'm not making that the end-all be-all, but I'm making it pretty close um, for my roster. And so I don't really like all of that. At the same time, I can't really think of anyone who's a whole lot better. So I am going to go with Matt Harpering with my penultimate pick um career average 11 points five rebounds and just under an assist and a half per game but someone who i think defensively is going to make an impact was a really solid guy on that end um again shot all over the place and understood that but yeah in utah he was great uh in john stockton's last season 2002 average 17 points per game hit 41 percent of his threes 50 percent of his twos um good offensive rebounder yeah i I mean there it is you know he he had a a nice uh offensive game but not the type of offensive game one would have thought based off his scoring career in georgia tech where apparently he was really good i had to look back on someone's like oh no do not see a lot of that so there you go i i think he actually makes a lot of sense 
for your bench and and, and can kind of be a, a glue guy who, who does a variety of things. And uh, I always remember him as kind of a, a hustle player on both sides, uh, both defensively and offensively. And I think given the level of talent you have on your lineup already, like having somebody who can kind of contribute without necessarily having much of a usage rate, mm-hmm. I think would fit in very well. Yeah. That's solid for sure. That's the hope. We'll see how it goes though, but I'm, yep. I'm happy with where I have him right now. I mean, he's no Pat Garrity, but okay. He's not. He really, <laughs> I'd much rather you have to make a case for him. Be like, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you got him, but he's not my Pat Garrity, but you know, he's, he's okay, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with my final pick, rounding out my my 10-man rotation, again, from the concept of a basketball circus to excite and entertain, um, I'm going to go with 6'11", 220-pound Keon Clark. Another guy Um, I was hoping. Love it. Yep. I don't know if he's still... Uh, the guy, uh, but I believe uh, last I checked, he's the Toronto Raptors franchise record holder for most blocks in a game. We had 12 in a, a game on uh, March 23rd, uh, 2001. Um, had a, a, a not that long NBA career, six years, uh, playing with Denver, Toronto, Sacramento, Utah, Um but a really nice shot blocker who also could throw down some nasty dunks. Um, and again, with my team, that fits in pretty well. I like it. Again, you kind of crafted this really fun up and down team with some rim running and some three-point shooting and athleticism all around. Uh, you got to love it. Um, I'm going to take Shimon Williams with my final pick. Loved the righteous throw that he had early in his career with the Supersonics. Uh, loved the headband commitment that he stuck to, uh, a guy who can get to the lane, penetrate pretty well, had a great career overseas, not as impactful um, in the NBA, but he's from the Bronx, got to represent New York all the time. Uh, loved it for sure. 36% from three for his career. Again, just really nice moves to get into the basket. Someone who I loved like in the early 90s, again, along, or late 90s, early 2000s, alongside um, um, Gary Payton on the Supersonics teams. He had some really good games then. Uh, just a good guy. I remember him most, most notably for uh, his little short stint with the Lakers. That was actually, ironically, when I first started really watching basketball. Um, so this would have been 2005, 2004, 2005. Yeah, no, he came in 2007, my fault. I don't remember him with that. I thought he was there with the Lakers a little bit early, but I guess not. But just going and being one of those guys. You know, I'm getting mixed up with Chucky e. Atkins. That's why. But um yeah just just being a solid player and and consistently you know outside like a short blip here and there consistently good three-point shooter if you just look past his uh his rookie stint with or his sophomore stint with the supersonic so you know it's my last pick he's gonna be able to get up and down the floor in a hurry make a three-point shot create a shot for others you know in the minutes he gets uh but again overseas is really where he had the best of his career we're talking russia we're talking spain um, and he, he played up to up until 2011. So a decent, uh, s- length of a career and people don't know, realize this, but he's the cousin of Kevin Garnett. I did not know that. And the Godfather to Mitchell Robinson. 
Really? So there's some there's some basketball ties there for okay. sure. Okay. Okay. Those two combined with that fro he rocked yes. early, like yes. those three things collectively works for a, a tenth pick in a redraft. Yeah. I like it. There you go. The vibes. The vibes. All right. So. Yep. As we close out here, I'm going to need you, if you will, please, sir, of Sir Duke Bilal. Oh, I said it wrong, whatever. Um, just, you know, just uh, give us your team one more time, uh, your coach, and your signature play. Yep. So, Sir uh, Duke uh we have Jason Williams and Rafer Alston at the guard. Uh, we have Vince the greatest dunker of all time, Carter and Michael Dickerson at the wing um, as kind of very versatile uh, forward slash bigs. We have Rashard Lewis and Al Harrington who depending on matchups and, and whatever I'm doing with lineup uh, can, can kind of do anywhere from three to, to five, maybe even two in some crazy lineups, um, which who knows, maybe I go crazy. Uh, then uh, with the bigs, we got Brad Miller, Rafe LaFrance, Pat Garrity, and Keon Clark. Um, a lot of shooting, um, you know, some nice rim protection. Um, strong team guys who, who are going to, um, you know, fit in well with what I'm trying to do. Um, given that this is going to be uh, an exciting circus of basketball i'm gonna go with mike d'antoni as my coach to really rev the engine on that and and really unleash these guys in a lot of uh transition and early offense i like it and then the signature play signature play um it's not a play call itself it's just the signature action that is going to be uh broadcasted to millions and millions of people in every single uh top 10 highlight reel in practically every game which is the jason williams to vince carter alley i like it i like it the the philosophy there to look for that as much as possible oh yes all right gotta give the people what they want man there it is Jay Wilder, Vince, alley-oop. If you don't like that, yeah. yeah. All right, so I got that. <laughs> I don't know if you like NBA basketball, but I'm like, uh, is that a Kings thing specifically? Or, I mean, yeah, Jason Williams, you play for the Kings. We'll go with that. All right, so my squad, Montez Inferno. You got Mike Bibby and Larry Hughes in the backcourt. You got Paul Pierce at the three with Anton Jameson and Dirk Nowitzki. Manning the four and the five. Kind of interchangeable there. You're not getting much defense either way. Off the bench, we got Katino Mobley alongside of the great triple-double king, Ricky Davis, really ahead of his time in that regard. Bonzi Wells. Matt Harpring and Shaman Williams will round out our five. Those last two really give us that kind of defense effort plays on um, the ability to kind of just be a, a cog in the offensive machine that we have that is Monte's Inferno. For a coach like this or any team I ever draft for the most part, unless he's taken before me, I have to go with Don Nelson. He'll find a way to make all these guys work. I have no like fear or, or, 
attentiveness at all and throwing this at his feet and saying, Nelson, make it work, and Nelly Ball just ensuing. For the signature play, I mean, I thought of a Larry Hughes ISO, a Paul Pierce ISO, uh, Coutinho Mobley, Ricky Davis clearing the floor and going to work. Uh, I thought about just giving the ball to Ricky Davis and let him cook. So many great options on this team, but ultimately, I'm going to go with just a good old-fashioned Bibby Dirk pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop think there's elements there uh i could even run a a, a a horn set and just do you know jameson roll and and Nowitzki pop or just do neither and let hughes pull it and pull from 35 i mean the options are endless maybe only a few of them are actually good options but who cares i'm gonna go with that bibby dirk just pick and pop pick and roll connection i think that's a solid basis for our team right there so um with that josh i have to thank you again for joining me for another draft retrospective with the season starting now i'm just gonna have to have you on for just random stuff now so we have to hopefully make that Fair happen enough, yeah. all right just some <laughs> you know basketball analysis Always you're on. Fun, i appreciate you man you're just a fun like it's it's one thing for fun another for a guy who just knows their hoops and uh, uh just I always enjoy it, man. So I thank you I for that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Of course. And then please, um, one more time, just tell people where they can find you and your work. Because, um, I mean, I know the stuff on the pipeline. I know the stuff, obviously, you're cooking up already. Should be a lot of fun. But just in the meantime, definitely intrigued to hear um, kind of what, 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 you know, again, what you may be up to. Yeah. Uh, so you can catch me on Twitter at 2 Earl. Um, admittedly, I don't tweet that much um but uh i'll get in there every now and then uh i like to think i have good per tweet efficiency (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, i think i just created a stat um uh you can also find my work at contextualscouting.com um where we help people uh, improve their odds of taking the next step in their careers within the basketball industry. Uh, we help people kind of uh, develop the, the questioning skills, the analysis skills, the problem solving skills, uh, while also creating work that can show teams that you can actually help them uh, as opposed to just relying on a resume, which I don't know about you, Corbin, or Mm -hmm. everyone that's listening. A lot of people apply to basketball positions. Like a lot of them. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Competition is very fierce if you just rely on a resume. So uh, instead of relying on a resume, show them your value with a portfolio of work that highlights what you can bring to their team. Which... I mean, that alone in itself shows how much of a tremendous, like, asset that would be to anyone trying to break in, myself included, because you're right. I know, okay, my body of work is very minuscule compared to so many others. How can I set myself apart? How can I be a guy that can, you know, just just put my resume up against anyone and be fully confident that what I bring to the table, the experience I've learned, the connections I've made are, are, are important and impactful and will, will, will help me have a say, um, help me have an agency in trying to make a way for myself. So this is really really cool for sure and i definitely encourage people to check on josh on twitter stay tuned for this op- this opportunity and and if their website anything you want to plug on that and um just to kind of be on the lookout for be aware yeah, yeah so uh contextual scouting is the site um i have some potentially big stuff coming like uh next week that, that i'm figuring out that might lead to some additional fun opportunities that'll be on contextual scouting 
uh, next year. Um, so a lot of exciting stuff that I know you know a few of them about. I'm, um, I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm excited be, yeah. to to kind of play around with some stuff and, and really make some fun, engaging, and helpful kind of uh courses and and tools to to kind of help people who are looking to uh take that next step in basketball that is cool man that is really really cool i'm excited to see where this goes i know i'll be around to kind of be aware so definitely happy for that but thank you um bro again for coming on we'll have to make this happen again regardless it's gonna be a lot of fun um just kind of following the season with you and seeing where this goes as well so thank you josh uh thank y'all for listening and being part of the show definitely appreciate that please all y'all um if you, you know, rate, you know, reviews, all that good stuff, let me know how I'm doing. Help me make it better. Show some love to Ramble Ramble. I would appreciate that. That's how I can work on my own internal um, improvement and try to stand on myself. So really looking to y'all for that. And again, thank y'all in advance for your time and help. Uh, listen, for Josh, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.